Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Square and Compass Podcast. Tonight's guest, Very Worshipful Brother, Derek Friesen. That's brand new for you, right? Very Worshipful? Yes. I was there when you got it? Yes, it's, uh, it's quite new. Um, actually, uh, last July is when, uh, is when my appointment came into effect at uh, our Grand Lodge sessions, and then I was presented with my regalia at Leamington Lodge's first meeting in September, uh, coming back for the start of our, our new Masonic year. And that's, even though I got the title in July, it wasn't until I received my regalia in September that it really felt official. I was there. I remember your folks were there. That was a nice moment for you. Yes, absolutely. Um, My parents have been so supportive of my Masonic journey, um, even sort of before Masonry. Uh, when I joined the Order of Demolay, which, uh, for those who don't know, is a Masonic youth group for boys ages 12 to 21. And uh, it's, I describe it as junior masonry, basically. So I, uh, I joined that when I was 19, and uh, then came into Lodge when I was 21. And you've been very active in your Lodge. Um... But, you know, one thing I want to talk to you about, because I realize looking back at the, the podcast we've recorded so far, one thing we haven't talked a lot about with my other guests is the Concordant Bodies, right? Because you're pretty active in the Royal Arch Masons. Yep. Tell us about that. Uh, well, Royal Arch is uh, the, the next step uh, into York Rite Masonry. Um, so after you get your Master Mason degree, you can choose to uh, join the York Rite of Masonry or Scottish Rite Masonry, or you can be like myself and, and join both. Um, but yes, the, the Royal Arch is the, the first step in York Rite Masonry, and it provides um, really a completion of the, the Master Mason degree. What advice um, would you have for Masons interested in joining a Concordant body, either York Rite or Scottish Rite? Um, if they're interested in joining, do you think they should join right away. They should give themselves some time to become proficient in craft lodge. How do you view the that part of the Masonic journey? That I think is best left up to the individual, right? There are, um, you know, that's that's something that we really stress throughout all of Masonry, right? Is that you do things of your own free will and accord. So myself personally. Um, I just had this, this hunger to, to know more and continue to progress through masonry. And so I did join a number of concordant bodies very quickly. Um, other people uh, choose to just sit back and, you know, really absorb uh, the, the craft lodge degrees more and then over time progress. And so it's really about your own comfort level in terms of how how quickly you want to go and i i think that um all of us need to um be cautious in how quickly we progress you don't want to take on too much at one time um so yeah in in that respect it, it is all all up to the individual uh, we talk about you know progression and, and moving quick. Certainly, there are a lot of guys who move very quickly through through the chairs. Do you worry about um, or do you ever get concerned about maybe pressure being put on younger guys to move up quickly? 
or to take an office chair quick? Or do you find that a lot of guys are just so gung-ho to get started that they want to take an officer's chair almost as soon as they get their Master Masons degree or join a, a right, right away? You know, I always talk about the second degree being kind of like the middle child. People seem to think view it as a thing you do to get to your third degree as opposed to really taking the time to enjoy it or think about the lessons in it. Um, just how do you think about, about even in like modern world, things seem to go by so quick and there's, everything's minute by minute and, and so quick. Do you think that the Masonic journey is becoming a little bit too quick or do you think guys could take more time to enjoy it? Or just what are your views on that, on, on how fast people are progressing? Uh, there definitely is a lot of pressure put on new members to uh, to join the officer lineup right away, um, and it's on the one hand, yes, no one should uh, should be pressured to do it. Again, it should be up to the the free will and accord of of the individual, but. It's also a sign of the institution, right? If you look, uh, if you look around at, at our lodges and, and at the other Masonic bodies as well, there are so many older members who have already gone through all the chairs and are now essentially being recycled through those chairs. So whenever a, a new member comes in, there's always that uh, that that hope and that expectation that they will want to, to progress through the lineup as well. Uh, to sort of relieve some of that pressure from the, the older members who they have put in a, a lot of time and a lot of service into these bodies. And they, they do deserve a break. But at the same time, like I said, there, there shouldn't be that pressure put on anyone. I chose to go into the officer lineup in my lodge, uh, basically right away, um, I had received my Master Mason degree in uh, it was in February of 2012. I proved my apron in um, May of that year, and then uh, became an officer in in June of that year. And for those who uh, who aren't familiar with the term proving your apron. Um, once you have received your third degree, uh, you do have to show your proficiency in that degree before you can join the officer lineup. What do you think? Yeah, I like the phrase you used that you said, you know, talk about, you know, hopes or, or expectations maybe put upon Masons. But in terms of the, the craft itself and, and Freemasonry, what type of hopes and expectations do you have towards it, you know, going ahead, going into the future? My big hope for masonry uh, will be that that we grow. We move out of this uh, this period of seeming decline that we're in, and that we move into a, a period of growth. There's ebbs and flows to everything in life, and masonry is certainly no different. If you look through the history of masonry, you see periods of tremendous growth and you see periods of dramatic decline. Right now, we seem to be in a, a period of decline, and it's not something that is solely a, a Masonic problem. I mean, if you look at any other service organization, you see the same thing, right? If you look at, at the Kiwanis, if you look at Rotary, they're having problems with membership as well. And I think a lot of it, as you kind of touched on earlier, 
is that right now life is so busy, right? There's so many things that people are already involved in that to add something else on top of it is not what a lot of people are looking for. But I, I'm very optimistic at the fact that the Masons that we do see, uh, particularly in, in our district here, are just a high degree of, of caliber and, and very dedicated to the craft. And so that makes me very optimistic about masonry being carried forward into the future. And I think that when we have leaders like those that we see, um, you know, like Right Worshipful Brother Roy Gellner um, and, and others, that that will be really just a, a driving force to bring masonry into the future and, and bring us to a point where we can have, you know, full lodge rooms again. Do you think that, um, you know, you talked about, like, all these different service organizations struggling, even churches, you know, religious organizations seem to be struggling with membership in a lot of cases. One area um, that, you know, this seems to be affecting people in is this idea of, of loneliness. I even posted something on Square Compass Promotions Facebook page. Go to Square Compass Promotions Facebook page about, um, uh, you know, loneliness being so detrimental to people's health and their well-being. And it seems like as these civic or civil organizations decline in membership, you know, we're seeing greater, greater amounts of loneliness. Um, do you think that Freemasonry, or how do you think groups like Freemasonry or Freemasonry can, can assist with that? I think that Masonry has always been a, um, centered around the ideas of, of unity and brotherhood. And I think a, a lot of people are looking for that. And masonry, although it's certainly not not for everyone, there's you know aspects of of masonry such as the uh, you know the the dramatic rituals that we do that uh, you know just aren't aren't everyone's cup of tea. But I think for those who are inclined towards uh, those sorts of things, that they will find a home in masonry as men have throughout the ages and you can find that that place that belonging that brotherhood with like-minded individuals and it can help men to have that sense of purpose that they might not find anywhere else absolutely and you on that topic even one thing that um you know, Freemasonry provides in terms of kind of combating loneliness is that, you know, shared experience, which I think is so important to, to forge a brotherhood or to forge friendships because even if I've never met, uh, I'm traveling somewhere, as happens often, and I find a Masonic Lodge or I find a brother, even if I've never met him before, I know things about him because we have shared experiences. We've both been through the craft. We've both been through degrees. We can, you know, it's no different than you know, meeting someone who has the same profession as you or meeting someone who has grew up in the same town as you. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got a brother all around the world who, who engages in that shared experience. That's why I think, you know, our ritual and why 
you know, everybody talks about the secrets and secrets information. Why it's so important to maintain those is because it makes sure that those shared experiences are shared by only Masons, and it helps keep that connection. Absolutely. What, um, going back to when you first joined Freemasonry, or even before that to Demolay, you talked about your parents being so supportive of it. What about your friends and, and people in your life outside of your family? How did they feel about you joining Demolay and then Masonry? Um, you know, in, in terms of friends, you have, uh, I, I have a number of friends who at, at that time and, you know, still to this day when I talk about going to Masonic meetings, um, will kind of, you know, joke about, you know, me going to, you know, to my cult meetings and, and things like that. Um, I am very open about the fact that I'm a Freemason. And um, I, I know some of the, uh, the misinformation that's floating around out there. And um, I, I know that when my friends talk about me going to my cult meetings, they are doing it uh, just in a, a, a fun and, and joking way. They're not, you know, meaning it in, in any sort of disparaging way, really. Um, they just, you know, it's something for them to, to kid with me about. Um, I do have members of my extended family, however, who do take that more seriously and, you know, um, do feel that I am a member of a, a satanic cult. So, but that's, it, it is what it is. All I can do is, um, you know, show through my, my actions what masonry has, has taught me. Um, masonry teaches so many wonderful lessons about how to live your life and that's what I choose to focus on and that's and you know you're one of the guys who exemplifies this but you know many many do and you're wearing um, you know you've got your Masonic ring I've got you know jackets and t-shirts which have the scoring compass symbol on them right if you're wearing those and you're out in the world and you're acting you know people can think whatever they're going to think Certainly social media doesn't always help promote the, the correct image of masonry, but if you're out there and you're acting in an appropriate way and you're being a good citizen, as masons are expected to be, right, people can make the connection between you know, what you've got on your ring, what you've got on your jacket, and the way that you act. So I always think, you know, for masons out there, it's always so important to you remember that in your day-to-day -day lives you're representing the craft in the way you treat other people and in the way that you act, which is certainly one of the lessons we are taught in our ritual work. Absolutely. Do you have, looking back, you know, you were raised in 2012. You joined DMLA before that. So when did you join, what year did you join DMLA? Uh, that would have been 2010 that I joined, uh, joined DMLA. So you got about 10 years in. You become, you know, district secretary, very worshipful. What are you looking forward to moving forward? What type of goals have you set for yourself in the next, say, 10 years of your Masonic career? Well, going forward, um, I am progressing through the chairs in uh, a number of, of other concordant bodies now, uh, the Lodge of Perfection in, in Scottish Rite. And, uh, and a few others as well. And so I'm just uh, looking forward to, um, 
you know, to going into the, the East in those bodies and becoming, you know, the, the master of, of those and just enjoying every step along the way. There's a lot of steps along the way, right? Is there even Absolutely. any steps so far that you particularly, um, or, or what steps in the past 10 years do you, do you look back at, um, you know, with particular fondness? Because so much of your Masonic career, at least my Masonic career, it all just blends together. Because, you know, we use the same ritual to start and the same ritual to finish your lodges. And you, if you're up three, four, or five times a week, you can all start to kind of blend a little bit together, but there are those moments then that do stick out and that you do, um, that are more special than other moments. What are some of those moments for you? The biggest and most special still has to be when I was first installed as master of Leamington Lodge. Um, I served, ended up serving two years as master, but that first night when I was installed, that was just extremely special, and I was honored and humbled by all of the, the people who were there to, to come out and support me that night. And it just, that was, that was one of the pinnacles uh, of my Masonic experience, definitely. And then, of course, the, the many degrees that I've gone through, um, the, the Mark Master Mason degree is uh, still one of my favorites. That's uh, a York Wright degree. Um, and then also the, uh, the Rose Quad degree, the 18th degree in the Scottish Rite is uh, another fabulous degree, um, as well as the, the 32nd degree in, in the Scottish Rite. And so there's uh, so many of, of these momentous experiences becoming a Knight Templar in the York Rite. Um, which was something that I had wanted to do from the time that I first joined Masonry, is I had, I had really wanted to be a Templar. That was one of my goals. And so to, uh, to go through those ceremonies was extremely special to me. So there's been so many others, but I, I think that that would basically be a, a short list of, of some of my favorite moments. I talked to you earlier about uh, York, right? But you're also a member of Scottish, right? I've been allowed to you several times uh, at our Scottish Rite meetings. Do you, um, what would you say are the, the differences between, say, Scottish Rite and York Rite? And for any Masons interested in joining the Concordant Bodies, would you, what type of advice would you have in terms of trying to decide which one to join? I mean, myself, I went with Scottish Rite. York Rite is on my radar. I just... I was so busy at the time. I decided to, to focus on on one, but you know, York Rite's in my future. But at that, I remember having a lot of trouble when I was first considering joining the Concordant Bodies, trying to decide which one to join. I'm certainly happy to have joined Scottish Rite. I'm very proud to be. I've only gone 18 so far. But any advice do you have for, for brothers who are you know, looking at making that decision? To, how would you go about deciding where to join or, or what to join first? Well, when I talk to brothers about this, I describe it mainly as a style difference between the two. Um, so you've got these, these various degrees in both that it's very similar storylines, it's similar lessons that are taught, but it comes down to a difference in style. 
Um, Scottish Rite is very theatrical. Those degrees are done in costume, with sets and props, and you're, it's, it's very much like you're watching a play when you go through those degrees. Whereas York Rite is very much a continuation of what you experience in Lodge, where you're taken through the degree and as the candidate, and you're given that more personal experience. Um, so it just it, it comes down to uh, to which you know which style kind of speaks to you more. It's, I, I like that the the the, the word user style because I think that's something that can be lacking a little bit in Freemasonry um, style in terms of when we're doing our our lectures or our our degree work, even in Craft Lodge. Oftentimes I've been to, I don't know how many degrees, and you'll see guys and they'll, they'll always do, especially when they're, they're just starting out, they'll, they'll recite the piece of work they have to recite. But I always encourage guys when they're going through their degrees, when they're learning a piece of work, whether it's Scottish Rite or in Craft Lodge or York Rite, you know, find their own style. Find, if there's certain parts of the ritual that they particularly respond to or that they speaks to them, you know, emphasize those words because when you and I can both hear the same lecture, but we can both take something completely different from it, but it can speak to us in different ways. What would you advise to guys looking to, you know, find their style in Freemasonry to find their own, you know, way to put their stamp on the work and the ritual work? I think the, the best advice that I can give for that would be to travel to different lodges and see how, how different brothers do the same piece of work and, and how it's approached in different ways. Um, we're, you know, right now recording this in, in December, which there's a lot of installations that are, are going on in this month. It's, it's one of the busiest months in our district. Um, We've sat in Lodge just, you know, a couple times over this last week, and uh, you've done a, a phenomenal job delivering the charge that you've given, and the way that you deliver that is different than the way other, other brothers have delivered it, and I, I think that it's really interesting to see those differences in that same piece of work, because, like you said, you will emphasize uh, certain parts that you know that other guys will, um, you know, not not brush over, but they will put an emphasis in in a different spot. And so to see those style differences, I think is is really interesting. It uh, certainly keeps masonry and and the ritual fresh for uh, those of us who who are seeing these things over and over again. So that's that's really nice. But yeah, it's it's great to see. The different flourishes that I think that would probably be the best word. The different flourishes that uh, that your brothers put on things, and you can look at that and you can say, you know, I, I really like the way Cameron did did this one portion of it, and I I really like the way that George did this other portion of it, and you can kind of bring those two together when you do your own, and you know also bring out something else. And so you end up creating your own style through that, that synthesis. But I think the, the only way that you can really 
do that is by going and, and visiting these other lodges. And that is a, a central part of, of Freemasonry. I mean, we're called traveling men for a reason, right? And it's not just about traveling to the east in your own lodge. It's about traveling and visiting other lodges, just as the, you know, the operative Masonic guilds did back in the Middle Ages, right? They, those operative Masons traveled from place to place, and they were given lodging at each new place that they, they came to. And so that's, you know, the sort of the, the basis of, of our tradition today. So it's good to go and, and visit those other lodges, and it helps you to not only see the ritual in a new way, but also to have that deeper sense and experience of the brotherhood that makes Masonry what it is. And traveling, right? That's so such a vital part of Freemasonry. I think it's one of the, the things that's missing most from our the modern kind of iteration of our fraternity is it seems like there's a lot less traveling than than there should be. Uh, I talked to our district deputy, Roy Gellner, about this because he's somebody who travels a lot. Mm-hmm. And I know you travel uh, frequently as well. Um, just, you know, I always advise guys if at the start of their Masonic career, when they're asking, if they're asking, you know, how to proceed, I always say just travel as much as you can. You know, see as much as you can. If you happen to be in another, you know, town or another city, you know, it's so easy now with Google to find a local Masonic temple. And, um, you know, just go and say hello. Even if you aren't there for a lodge night, you know, most temples have somebody floating around all the time who can at least introduce themselves. And you just maintain that. that You know, it keeps the craft alive for you, and it does help you find your own style. Because you see how other people do it, and you see a variety of ways to do it. And you realize that, you know, you can also put your own personal imprint onto the fraternity. Absolutely. Any, um, any stories on your end from, from travels, any brother you've met, any particularly fond memories of traveling outside of Leamington Lodge or outside of even the, the county? Uh, well, not, not so much in terms of that. No, actually, I'll, I'll say that um, probably my main regret in masonry is that I didn't start traveling more early on. Um, right from the time I was initiated, I had several members of my lodge say to me, you know, just if you want to go visit any other lodges in the area, let me know and I'll, I'll take you around, I'll introduce you. And uh, my, my main regret would be not taking those, those brothers up on that at the time. And um, it was, a, a lot of it was due to, uh, to my work commitments at the time. I was focused mainly on my own lodge. Um, so I, I would, yeah, just encourage new brothers to, uh, like, like you said, travel around as much as you can and experience the variety of, uh, of Masonic experience that is out there. Um, but in, in terms of meeting other brothers, uh, at uh, like one of my old jobs, I, I was wearing a, uh, a Masonic baseball hat. And I would have, I was a security guard and, um, you know, I would have truck drivers come in and out. And uh, there were several Masons that I met as a result of that. Um, 
couple from this district, uh, others from, you know, farther away, like London. And, uh, you know, these guys, they'd see the square encompasses on my hat. And, um, you know, they'd, uh, they'd give me a little, uh, a little Masonic phrase that, uh, that those of us who are initiated would pick up on. And uh, so it just, it sparked the conversation that way. And it's really funny because uh, the one particular brother from London that I'm thinking of, him and I had had great conversations even before that. Um, and, you know, so this was probably a couple months after we had first met each other that he, he first saw me wearing my hat and realized that I was a Mason. And it's, it's just funny because it's almost like even without knowing that we were brothers, there was, there was that bond there anyway. And that's something that I've found in Masonry is that through these, these lessons that we're, we're taught in the degrees and that we then apply to our lives, it really does change us and, and change the way that we interact with other people and with the world. And it's something that we can pick up on, you know, even if it's not, not at a, a conscious level, we can recognize that because, you know, we share these, these same traits with each other. And so it makes it, uh, it makes it that much more of, of a bond. And then to find out that, you know, you are in fact a, a brother with, uh, with this other man, um, that just, it, it's, it was a cool experience to, to see that. We felt that, that fraternal bond before we knew that, that we were even both Masons. We are, you know, this is going to be, be shown well after uh, Christmas, but we are filming this just before Christmas. We got the tree behind us, so the people in YouTube land can see. Looking forward to, to anything in the holiday season. What's your, your Christmas holiday plans? Um, just, uh, getting together with family and friends, um, I, uh, will be at, um, in terms of, in terms of masonry, I will be at the, uh, the Thistle Lodge, uh, installation dinner on December 27th. They have their, uh, their installation on December 27th every year because that's the, uh, the feast day of St. John the Evangelist and, uh, John the Baptist and John the Evangelist are the two patron saints of masonry. So it was a, uh, a custom for lodges to, uh, to hold their installations either in June or in December to coincide with, uh, with those feast days, which is why June and December tend to be the, the busiest months for, for masonry and visiting other lodges. And um, Thistle Lodge has really stuck to that tradition and, and had it on, on the 27th every year. And I'm very much looking forward to that. So it's always a, a fun time to get together with them. I'll be seeing you there. I always, definitely one of the, the things in my Masonic calendar I look forward to. You know, you got Christmas on the 25th, you get a day to relax, and then you're right back at it on the 27th. So no rest for the wicked. Absolutely. And with that, thank you so much. Thank you very much for, uh, for asking me to be here. I have no doubt I'll be seeing you well. The 27th or probably sooner based on uh, our history together so far. We're bound to.